Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Penn State football fans, Bob Flounders joined by Johnny McGonigal. Last time we talked, we didn't know we, we had a couple. There were a couple things in the air about Penn State, who were they, who they were going to play, you know, what the transfer portal was going to look like, and it's all been magically cleared up. Who would be the Big Ten champion? Uh, who would be in the playoff? All those questions, Johnny, have been answered. We still don't know the identity of the World Cup champion. I'm going to leave you to that. There's still uh, a ways away in terms of that, but uh, we have Army Navy this weekend. We have some transfer portal news. We know where Penn State is headed. Where would you like to start? Do you want to start with where Penn State's headed, or what, where do you want to go? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's start with the Rose Bowl and playing Utah Pac-12 champions out in Pasadena. That's a heck of a reward for this uh, Penn State team after going 10-2. and two. Uh, For the seniors to go out that way, for the freshmen like Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter uh, to end their first collegiate season in Pasadena is pretty cool. And uh, it's, it'll be quite the stage for those freshman standouts to, you know, if they haven't already announced themselves to the country uh, and it should be a great occasion. And uh, I I believe it's the final, like really like the Rose bowl, Rose bowl because of uh, impending college football playoff stuff. And uh, look, this was, this was a destination that had been whispered about for a week or so. Hey, even if Ohio state doesn't make the playoff, we'll, the Rose Bowl take Penn State over Ohio State. Uh, I think we both thought that was that's kind of how it was leaning, given Ohio State's recent activity in the Rose Bowl two of the last four years. Uh, but Ohio State ends up making the playoff after some uh, some U- you know, USC Utah action on the Friday night of conference championship weekend. I thought the Trojans were going to get it done. They did not uh, whatsoever, uh, and so USC is out and Ohio State's in, and that leaves the Rose Bowl to Penn State. Yeah, Michigan wins the Big Ten. They pull away from Purdue. Late cover the number with two minutes to go. Jim Harbaugh does not mind scoring late in games when the issue is already decided. He did that against Nebraska. He did it in the Purdue game. They are a tough team. They're going to have to do it without Blake Corum. They they had a quarterback leave their program to go uh, in the transfer portal to go to Iowa. There's some news there, but it's, it's, it's a very tough, determined Michigan team. That's going to play TCU. Ohio State, lucky Ohio State gets the Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to have to score a lot of points. I watched Georgia and LSU. That was an entertaining game that I thought the score wasn't really indicative of what LSU was able to do on that defense. They moved the ball. Uh, I just don't know about Ohio State's defense trying to slow down 
those Georgia Bulldogs. So let's talk about Penn State. First trip to the Rose Bowl since 2016 when Sam Darnold and those darn USC Trojans got them late. I think USC had a 14-point fourth quarter lead. Just couldn't hold it. Very exciting game. Saquon Barkley went off with one of his signature touchdown runs. But, you know, Johnny, one of the things I wanted to talk about is, you know, you don't know what about player movement. You don't know exactly what this Penn State team is going to look like. We do know that we do know that Joey Porter won't be a part of the festivities. We do know that Christian Veyor will not be part of the uh, the festivities. But, you know, if if there aren't too many key defections, I, I just went through it. This is one of the, I think it's one of the best bowl games available. I think it's a, it could be a very, very competitive game. Utah's not scared of anyone. They beat USC twice. They took Ohio, a good Ohio State team to the limit in last year's uh, Rose Bowl game. This looks like a tremendous matchup on paper. Oh, I think outside of the playoff games, this might be the best bowl game uh, we get. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Troy and UTSA play. I think that'll be a fun game. No, I'm, <laughs> I mean, it will be a fun game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I do think that this outside of outside of the, um, you know, the two college football playoff semifinal games, uh, I don't think I think it's going to be can't miss TV. And I think the guys I mentioned earlier, Singleton, Allen, you know, Carter, uh, these young talents that, you know, got, you know people across the country are going to be tuning in uh, to see. And it's not like they'll be opting out. You know, Utah, they didn't have any opt outs uh, for their bowl game last year uh, when they played in Pasadena. That's what Kyle Whittingham acknowledged on. Uh, the Rose Bowl uh, teleconference on Sunday night. Uh, James Franklin, uh, you know, said that he thinks that almost the entirety of his team will be playing uh, in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, is the one, you know, uh, the one big one being Joey Porter Jr., uh, who I believe announced his decision to enter the NFL draft and forego the bowl game after we recorded last week. We didn't get to talk about that a whole lot. Um, but, you know, kind of we, we both saw that coming. Uh, it's not necessarily a surprise for a guy who was going to go in the first round, uh, most likely uh, one of the best corners in the country. And Joey Porter Jr. You know, came back from appendicitis, missed a couple games uh, to play and and you know, be recognized at the senior day uh, win against Michigan State. So Penn State won't have him. Uh, like you said, Christian Veyor entering the portal. Uh, Rodney McGraw as well, a defensive lineman uh, entering the portal. Uh, Jeffrey Davis, a reserve corner. Uh, entering the portal early uh, in the process so far for Penn State, but you know the the heavy hitters, the 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 players that ultimately have contributed so much to this team. Porter aside, uh, looks like they'll be playing uh, unless there's any change here in the next, uh, really the next ten days because we get uh, bowl media day on uh, I believe it's December sixteenth, uh, and so we'll be talking to players and coaches and everything like that. So you would expect that any opt outs would come uh, before that. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see too many guys uh, missing this game, this occasion. Uh, it's going to be one I can't wait to get out there for, Bob. I know you can't either. Yeah, and uh, you know, even the, you can tell the, even the odds makers aren't quite sure what to make of this game. It's it's right around it's right around a pick 'em, one point, a point and a half either way. I think at one point, you know, it is early in December. At one point, Penn State was a slight favorite. I checked yesterday. I think Utah's now a slight favorite, but we're they're they're just really it's it's one of those games that you could you could make a case, a strong case for both teams you know uh, winning the game. Uh, it does feel like it'll be a close game. Penn State closed the season with a four and zero November. They played some very good teams. They won at Purdue. They won at Auburn. 
Uh, they played Ohio State very tough. The Michigan game did not go their way early, and they were never really in it. Utah's been tested, too, and Whittingham is one of those coaches who always seems to have his program ready uh, for a bowl game. They can be a very, very tough out, and they're not really scared of anyone. It's going to be exciting. I'm almost hesitant to talk about potential, what the team might look like, because every time I, we record a podcast, literally hours after it, something happens. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to talk to you about is it's not just the players that, you know, Penn State could lose a couple. It's also the coaches. Like, we, we, we always kind of lose track of what maybe the staff will look like, A, for the bowl game, or B, for – for 2023, but coaching movement, you know, it, it's it is it is a big deal. Uh, Penn State had to deal with it last year. Uh, I think they're going to have to deal with it this year. Maybe even on the defensive side of the ball, especially they could also, you know, they they've got some talented coaches on offense. You know, how do you look at this Penn State coaching staff? A very talented staff. What to you? Who are the guys that you know you could see? Hey, they're. They could be back in 2023, but they're also really, really good at their jobs. They could be eyeing promotions elsewhere. When you look at the Penn State coaching staff, Johnny, who are some of the names you're going to be kind of following closely? Yeah, I think the two big ones, the biggest one is Manny Diaz, uh, defensive coordinator in his, in his first year, uh, was a Broyles Award uh, semifinalist, which is given to the top assistant coach uh, in the country. And you know, if you look at Penn State stats across the board, they're pretty much top 10, top 15 uh, in every major defensive category, uh, you know, leading the country in past breakups. And we've talked so much this season about the aggressive mentality and uh, just, you know, the, the willingness and ability uh, to cause disruption in the back end. And a lot of that is the talent of guys like Joey Porter and Kalen King and Jair Brown. But it also comes from a you know mentality standpoint, uh, um, you know, calling so much man coverage, you know, on Manny Diaz's part and dialing up dialing up blitzes and creating chaos in the backfield and all those good things. So he's, he's the big one. The other one I would say would be Jaywan Sider, uh, the running backs coach uh, at Penn state. You know, he might fly under the radar a little bit, but you know, Penn state has had uh, you know some good running backs uh, and, and he's a really, really good recruiter and, you know, has, has a real lock on that, uh, that South Florida area for Penn state getting talent out of that region the only two, the only thing there is with both of those guys, because both of those, um, you know, coaches were considered candidates for a couple of openings in Florida. You know, Florida Atlantic uh, and South Florida. Both of those jobs have been filled, which I think is good news for Penn State. Uh, Tom Herman taking FAU, uh, and then the offensive coordinator from Tennessee uh, took the uh, South Florida job. So that's good news for Penn State. Uh, you know, there's still going to be more openings, and uh, it's not like these two guys or really anyone else on staff are. You know, limited to just going to Florida. Uh, you know, there there are openings across the country, and and you know, surely uh, there'll be you know there'll be interested parties in, in what Penn State and James Franklin has put together on his staff. But two you know two pieces of good news there uh, when it comes to the coaching carousel because you know it's not just the transfer portal we're we're covering here, Bob. It's it's you know like you said, coaches. It's it's everyone. Movement movement abound right now uh, in December before bowl games. Yeah, one other name I'm just going to be watching. Just because I think he's really, really good at his job uh, is Anthony Poindexter, the the safeties coach. You know, I think I think he I think he was a a serious consideration for his alma mater last year, uh, the Virginia program, where he was an All American, just a, a terrific player. Uh, I think he was a two time All American at safety. If he hadn't had a knee injury, he could have maybe really, really been a a special player in the NFL. I just I look at the job Johnny that he's done. 
with Penn State safeties uh, the last couple of years. I think I think he got more out of Jaquan Brisker. He definitely got more out of Jair Brown with Manny Diaz's help. But I also think that Penn State safety room, you know, they they felt really good about four safeties. Keaton Ellis making the conversion from corner, but also uh, Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley. I think you have to give Anthony some credit on that front. And the reason I bring him up is that I just feel like he's at the point in his coaching career where his resume is impressive. And I don't think he's going to be a safeties coach for the rest of his life. I think, you know, at some point he, he can lead men, he can develop men. And if it's not, if it's not, if it's not a head coaching job, you know, it could be like, you know, I know he's got another, t- a couple other titles at Penn state, but like the defensive play caller at a, at a program, if not the head coach, he, he to me is a guy that I think is fascinating. I don't know how much longer he'll be at Penn state. I think as long as he's on the staff, Penn State's uh, defensive backfield with he and Terry Smith are Penn State's in really good hands with those two. But I, he's just a guy that I wonder about, and I, I just think that eventually he's going to get he's going to get an offer that he can't refuse. And I think he's a guy that Penn State is lucky to have. I agree. No, those are three guys that, like you said, you know, right now with with where Penn State staff is. You know, you can go back and look and see, like you know, James Franklin, his hiring. Hey, is is that a good hire? Is that a bad hire? Whatever. These three guys that they have right now, and and, and you know, other guys too, but these are the three that I think that you know will generate a lot of interest across the country. You know, like you said, Poindexter almost going uh, to Virginia last year as alma mater when that job opened up, and they ended up going, uh, you know, with the to, with Tony Elliott, the coordinator from Clemson. After a year, I don't know if that is looking like the right choice necessarily. Um, you know, they they've had some guys transfer out and. Uh, a lot happening, you know, in the ACC. I don't know if you saw it, Bob. There was like seemingly like half of the ACC quarterbacks uh, <laughs> transferred out, you know, on the first day of the portal. You know, again, the portal opening for undergraduate yeah. FBS players on Monday. Uh, so there were, you know, hundreds of players uh, from across the country entering the portal. You know, I don't know. I don't think Penn State's going to be getting any of those ACC quarterbacks, but um, maybe cornerbacks surely will be after a defensive back or two. Uh, in the portal and maybe even a wide receiver uh, or two. Uh, you mentioned I mentioned South Florida earlier. South Florida wide receiver Jimmy Horn Jr. Uh, putting Penn State in his four finalists. Uh, he's a you know dynamic receiver, kick returner, guy to keep an eye on in this process. Uh, Dante Thornton, um, wide receiver from Oregon, who was previously committed uh, to Penn State. Maryland native is another guy uh, to keep an eye on. Offers are flying. Penn State's involved. Yeah, there, there's going to be some news here over the next you know couple weeks. Wouldn't be surprised if Penn State has a couple new players uh, in the fold by the time we speak to James Franklin on December 16th, full media day. Yeah, Johnny, and I think for the fan base, I think especially at Penn State, they get excited more so than most programs. I think when they when Penn State adds a player in the transfer portal, I think it carries a little bit more weight just because of how successful they've been the last couple of years. They don't necessarily add a lot of players, but usually when they add a player, um, they've done their homework, they've targeted him, they've researched him, and they're, they're really good at preparing that player to play a meaningful role. All, you know, almost immediately, Ebiketti obviously is is the uh, maybe the poster child for for the Penn State uh, success rate in the transfer portal. But this year, three real, real good players in Mitchell Tinsley and Chop Robinson, Hunter Norzad. You know, when they add someone, I think I think it really get the the ears of the Penn State fan base uh, perk up. They're eventually they're going to miss on a couple, but um, 
they've been really good at it. And I just think that uh, it, it'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, and they're, they're usually pretty patient with it, right? They don't necessarily need to strike fast. They want to make sure they do their homework. So it, it'll be fascinating to see who leaves Penn State, who comes to Penn State. Uh, I still think, Johnny, there's, I don't know that Penn State is completely out of the woods with regard to players leaving for the NFL draft. I think that is an ongoing thing. You know, when the team leaves for California, I just remember last year, it was it was a disappointing season, right? They were they were seven and five and they were going to Tampa for the Outback Bowl. It was not exactly not exactly a glamour matchup. And you had a lot of players, you know, kind of space out their decisions to to opt out, you know, starting, you know, with Jahan Dotson and some other really, really good players. I, I I know this is a bigger game, a bigger stage for Penn State's players who still may have something to prove, but if you want to get ready for the NFL draft and you think you've had enough of college football, you want to get training almost right away. I mean, you could train, you could literally play in the Rose Bowl and then play right after that because you train out in California. That's a that's a popular place to train. But I don't know that Penn State's out of the woods with it, when it comes to uh, what their roster is going to look like. But James Franklin did say, "Hey, he does expect the majority, which was not the case last year. He does expect to have." almost a full contingent of players available for the youths. And usually when he says that, I, I think that he's he's real good about talking to the players and kind of where their head's at. I think he feels really good. He might lose a player or two after losing Joey, but I think he feels pretty good about the entire, most of his players are going to be in that game. Yeah, and we talked last week about Olu Vashanu coming back. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a huge add to this team, to this program. Uh, Franklin not, you know, giving us a, I don't know if he knows even if uh, fashion new will be ready a hundred percent for the Rose bowl. He said, that's still a medical issue, but you know, we know that Joey Porter jr. Won't be playing and you know, is no longer with the team. Aside from that, you know, we, we, again, we talked uh, this time last week about a handful of players who might be in that decision mode, uh, you know, like a Curtis Jacobs, um, you know, players like that and Adisa Isaac, you know, this is an opportunity for them against a really tough, and good Utah team. And like we said, like this is a, this is going to be one of the most viewed bowl games of, of the season. You know, this is a big stage for guys like that, that, you know, Hey, if you break out and really have a, a dominant performance on, you know, national, not, not like Penn State's not on national TV, you know, almost every week, but, but this is different. You know, the, the granddaddy of them all, the Pasadena, this is different. And so if Adisa Isaac goes out and has a great performance or Curtis Jacobs goes out and has a great performance, Brett and strange, you know, guys like that, that could, you know, push them towards the NFL or, or you know, or the other way. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, there's any more opt outs or any more NFL draft decisions. But given given the level of, of talent or, or I should say the, the projection of some of these guys that are going to be you know fringe making their decisions, it feels like guys who could at the very least, you know, come in, make an impact in the Rose Bowl and then go from there. Um, I don't know. If, I don't agree with that, but yeah, no, I do agree with it. And I'll tell you, I'll give you. You, you mentioned him. You know, there there are going to be a assuming assuming he plays. There's going to be a lot of eyes on the Utah tight end Kincaid, who has had a fantastic uh, 2022 season. Uh, he can do a lot of things. He's a little. I don't want to say he's undersized. He's 240. He shows up though as a receiver, as a blocker. And he's had some monster games against some good teams. I'm not sure how good Pac-12 defenses are, but this guy is a formidable tight end. And the reason I bring him up 
you know, Penn State's tight end. There's a lot of eyes on Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid. You know, Penn, Penn State's got some good tight ends, too. They play in this game, uh, you know, strange. And even Theo Johnson, and they have some big moments. It, it, it might open some eyes on, on, a, on a bigger stage. And I think it's a great opportunity for them, uh, especially given the fact that Penn State's passing game without Parker Washington, I think is leaning more and more on the tight ends down the stretch and, and wisely so. So to me, the tight end position in the bowl game in general, it might be the position to watch as good as uh, the talent is on both sides. You're talking about four uh, impact tight ends in this game if they all play. And you don't usually see that in a bowl game. And if, if a Brenton Stranger, even a Theo Johnson has a huge game, you know, and, and while, while there's a lot of people and maybe a lot of scouts looking at the Utah tight end, it could be a game changer for them as well. So that's another thing I think uh, to focus on. And, and I think the magnitude of the bowl game probably will maybe give Penn State's players that are thinking about leaving early pause to at least say, hey, maybe I want to play in this game. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid is, uh, he's just a beast. I, mean, he had, I think 70 catches this year for Utah. I just submitted my uh, AP All-American team. Spoiler, he was first team. Uh, <laughs> you know, tough between him and uh, the kid from Notre Dame, Mayer. But, I mean, Kincaid, every time I watch Utah this year, he's making third down catches, making, you know, catching touchdowns. Uh, he's going to be a problem. You know, he's going to be a, a challenge uh, for Penn State. And, you know, again, that's a that's maybe an opportunity for Curtis Jacobs if he gets matched up or, you know, Jair Brown that, you know, they use him down the box quite a bit. So, you know, that that's a matchup to watch in this bowl game. Yeah, I also had a couple of Penn Staters on my first and second uh, All-American team. I think we're publishing that at some point. I can't uh, reveal the whole team, but uh, <laughs> I'm out for that. So, yeah, there, there's just going to be a lot of talent in this game, uh, even without Joey Porter Jr., even if Olu Fashionu ends up not playing, uh, if he's not medically cleared to play. Uh, we know that Parker Washington is out for the remainder of the season, so he won't be playing uh, in this bowl game. There's still a lot of talent and a lot of reason for these guys to play and a lot of, you know, a lot of reason for people to pay attention and, you know, even not, not just pay attention, but go out and travel to the game. This was a big point of contention uh, with the whole Ohio State Rose Bowl thing. If they didn't make the playoff, I don't think they were going to sell close to their allotment of what the Rose Bowl was going to give them. And, uh, you know, they had opt outs last year, which I don't think sat well with Ohio, uh, with the Rose Bowl. Uh, this game matters to Penn State uh, and, and it matters to Utah quite a, quite a deal, too, after losing last year. But. You know, first time in six years that Penn State's been back uh, in Pasadena, and you know, for a season that you know, I had them going nine and three, so I didn't, I didn't see them getting this far. Uh, there were some mix, there was a mixed bag in terms of expectations uh, for this Penn State team. You know, we all know that the stat eleven and eleven in the last two years, back to back disappointing years, uh, and so for them to get here, and for a guy like Clifford or PJ Mustafer. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley even transferring in Jair Brown to be able to close their Penn State careers uh, in the Rose Bowl was I think it was a really cool deal. And like I mentioned earlier, just a lot of young players and even guys like Zane Durant and Denai Dennis and, and Cam Miller, you know, guys like that to be able to play in this game and have those practices and that development. Uh, it just matters so much to your program. And when you're looking ahead to 2023 and and the hype train leaving the station and everything for Penn State, this could be a good launching off point for that. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? 
Google Curaleaf PA, or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Before we leave you, Penn State fans, uh, let's just get to two things, Johnny. Let's. I wanted to talk to you about your uh, your latest. I don't know if it's your final one, but your 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 AP twenty uh, your your twenty five uh, top twenty five ballot where you had Penn State. There was a lot of movement. Penn State didn't play obviously in the Big Ten title game. Utah. I mean, there were some teams that did and did well. There were some teams that there were some really good championship games. I thought uh, not all of them, but the the, uh, the TCU Kansas State game was a pretty incredible game. I still can't believe the way that that actually played out. But I wanted to talk to you about uh, how you constructed your ballot, where you had Penn State, and also maybe just at the very end we could talk a little bit about do we really feel like the four best teams are in the playoff? Yeah. So my rankings were I ended up having one through four. I had Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. So that was in line with what the you know the committee had. I had TC or excuse me, I had Tennessee five uh, ahead of Alabama. That's what I've had all season. You know, I did even before the Hooker injury. You know, that I think it was the AP poll and even the CFP had Alabama ranked ahead of Tennessee. Tennessee beat them, so I, I don't I don't under, like for me that's like you know if you're talking same same record and and all that kind of stuff. So I had Tennessee five, Alabama six. Uh, Clemson 7, Utah 8, USC 9, Kansas State 10, and Penn State 11. I caught a little bit of flack uh, <laughs> for Penn State out of the top 10. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of – it's not nothing through their fault. Like, they didn't do anything. They just didn't play on conference championship weekend. They didn't get, you know, a, a Power 5 conference title. And to me, that matters quite a bit. Uh, you know, I didn't want to ding USC that far, you know, for losing uh, and getting there. Uh, but, you know, Clemson winning in convincing fashion, you know, Kansas State beating a really good TCU team uh, and Utah winning again the second time against USC. Yeah, th- those teams have three losses, but uh, Clemson doesn't. Uh, you Excuse me, uh, Utah and Kansas State do. But uh, I just felt that those kind of just really you know nudged them a little bit ahead of Penn State. And you can argue it, but I, that doesn't mean I don't think Penn State's a good team because I think they really are and, and they deserve to be in this Rose Bowl. And. Uh, it's it's going to be really cool to see them have a top 10 matchup against Utah. Uh, the last time Penn State won a top 10 matchup, by the way, Bob, Wisconsin Big Ten title game. Since the, the last time Penn State was in the Rose Bowl when they lost to USC, that started an 0 for 11 run against top 10 teams. So we'll see if where the drought started can be where the drought <laughs> ends uh, in L.A. I think the Penn State fan base is well aware, well aware of that of that mark. No, just, I, just, I just think it, I think it would be like narratively, it would be a little poetic if you know if they were able to finally end this drought uh, in the place where it started. 
Penn State had a, a famous win over Oregon uh, in the Rose Bowl, but I think in 2008 against USC, it did not go well for Penn State. I was at that game. The 2016 game was really, really entertaining. It was so much fun. That was that was one of the most fun games I've ever. I think it was. I mean, 52 to 49, and the way that it happened, and Saquon Barkley, 12,000 yards in that game. Chris Godwin with the game of his life. That was a remarkable game to be at. We can only hope that we get one similar. I don't, it's going to be tough to live up to that, but uh, I'll just say this: one, uh, this is just my opinion. I watched the TCU Kansas State game. My hope is, I know TCU had a great year, and they're going to square off against Michigan in the bowl game. I hope they can they can hang with the Michigan Wolverines. I just I, I, watching them play and watching a little bit of how. Alabama played this year and Alabama does have two losses two two losses on the road that really came down to the end I just that would be the I know I know why the four are the four I just wonder if Alabama might be a, a better for a competitive game Alabama would be a better option than maybe one of the teams that made the play I just really hope TCU can can, can stay with Michigan um, they're they're a scrappy team that quarterback just played his butt off uh, to get back in the game against Kansas State. Uh, that's the one thing I, I just don't want. I don't want the semis to be blowouts. Uh, sometimes maybe it's an indication of just how good Georgia and Michigan are. We'll see how it plays out. I want to see two really good semifinals. I hope we do. I'll just always be wondering about how good this Alabama team really was, given the quality of their losses. Um, I know that they also struggled to beat some teams as well. But we'll see. And that's that's the beauty, right, of of having this. And there's always going to be arguments and there's always t- people that are going to feel differently. I want to I hope TCU really, really, really pushes Michigan to the limit. Bob, I'm going to go on the record here. And, I, I, you know, after ranking Michigan number two, you think, OK, how does that make any sense? Well, resume wise, I haven't lost, et cetera. I think TCU is going to beat Michigan. OK. All right. I, I just I love what I've seen from Max Duggan. As long as he doesn't have like nine broken ribs, because that guy <laughs> so many hits. Uh, he, he took so many hits against Kansas State, and he's such a game. I, I think TCU can get it done. I really think you know I like Sonny Dykes as a coach, and you know without Blake Corum out for the year, people might say, "Oh yeah, Donovan Edwards, they're able to move past that," and they very well might. Yeah, and, and Michigan's going to be favored by what nine, ten points for a reason. Uh, I'm not, not not sure where that line is right now. There's a reason why Michigan's favored. I think TCU, you know, people are going to be overlooking it and getting a little ahead of themselves and saying, hey, if Ohio State can upset, you know, Georgia, then we're going to get Ohio State, Michigan in the, in the in the national title. I think TCU gets a job done. Yeah, yeah. And I think Ohio State, we saw Ohio State against Penn State and the final score said 44-31 Ohio State, but that was a game that could have easily ended up as a W uh, for Penn State. And Georgia's athletes, the size of Georgia's athletes on just about every position, Ohio State better pack a lunch. I know that they're they're extremely talented on the offensive end. I think they have questions on the defensive side. And if Georgia finds a weakness on you, they're going to exploit it. They're, they're a very explosive team, and they can beat you in about 15 different ways. Um, I'm sure Ohio State's looking is happy they're in the playoff. I don't know how happy they're going to be after spending three hours with the Georgia Bulldogs. But you know what? Um, there are a lot of people that thought Georgia, that Penn, that Ohio State, excuse me, was, was maybe the best team in the country with a month to go in the regular season. I think that that makes that matchup even all the more interesting is, do you give Ohio State a mulligan for what happened at home against Michigan? I don't, 
I don't. But do you think if they if they if they have an A game, is it is it anywhere near Georgia's A game? I mean, it can be. You know, not having Jackson Smith and Jigba hurts. You know, he's out for the playoff. He's you know focusing on the NFL. He's been injured, so you know having one of the best receivers in the country. They haven't really had him all year. Uh, but not having him against Georgia, I thought that there might be a chance that he would just come back for the playoffs, but that's not the case. It's going to be difficult. Now they still have Marvin Harrison Jr. They still have Mecca Buka and you know, Julian Fleming as a deep threat. I just don't think this Ohio State defense is necessarily ready for the physicality of Georgia's offense uh, when it wants to be physical and it wants to impose themselves. And then this Georgia defense, like, yeah, I think Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson are two of the best tackles in college football for Ohio state, but they're going to have their hands full. And this is going to be, I feel like this is going to be a game where Jalen Carter could eat on the inside and uh, you know, CJ Stroud's going to be running for his life quite a bit. So um, yeah, I think, I think Georgia is again, if, if you put, you know, talent or just, you know, team A, team B in terms of, you know, talent composites and all that kind of stuff, you know, Ohio state ranks up with them, but just the, the way that Ohio state just hasn't been able to put it all together this year. I don't think it, it bodes well that you're going in off of a point, you know, after a loss by a million points, uh, and then you got to go play Georgia. You know, that's, it, it doesn't bode well. Yeah. Ryan Day's seat is already was, is, was warm after the Michigan game. If they, they get blowed out by Georgia. I mean, it's not a very forgiving crowd in Columbus. The expect the bar is so high that to have to, if they would lose the last two games that are season, you know, by double digits, you know, handily, it just is. It'll get real nasty for which for the sounds Bucs. crazy though. That, I mean, that sounds crazy because they're eleven and one. They're in the playoff. You know, one hundred and twenty six other teams, one hundred and twenty eight other teams in the country would kill for that year in you know to be in that conversation and, and those expectations to be that high but the Ohio State fans have been spoiled in like you know in, in a good way I guess for them that they are that they feel like they can have that expectation that high it would have been really interesting if uh you know the committee would have like bumped I, it, I don't think it would have been the right thing to do if they bumped TCU down to four but Ohio State three I was rooting for that I was rooting for Ohio that. State Michigan <laughs> and then if Ohio State lost again by like 15, 20, 25 points. Man, like Ryan Day wouldn't have a home to go back to. <laughs> that thing would be burned down. So, you know, that would have been really interesting. And if we get a Michigan-Ohio State national title game, it's going to be really interesting. I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but you know, we'll have to see. That's why they play the games. That's why Alabama wasn't in. They play the games. They lost twice. Yeah, that's true. It's early December. There's so much to talk about. Things change on an hourly basis in college football, whether it's the transfer portal, declarations for the NFL draft, coaches on the move, Deion Sanders is in Colorado shaking things up. It's a wild, wild, the NIL deals, it's just wild. You talked about all the quarterbacks leaving first day of the transfer portal. Every time you take a breath or every time you turn around, Johnny, something else, something else is happening. I'm sure after we sign off here, by the end of the day, there's going to be something impacting Penn State's program. We'll be ready for it, but it's hard to see it coming. All I know is it is definitely coming. You just don't know who's leaving, who's staying, but we'll be there uh, to have coverage of it. Get ready for full media day. Get ready for early signing day, which is technically just basically just signing day uh, in late December and then leave for the bowl trip. Johnny, it's going to be, you still got the World Cup football, not soccer, football 
to worry about. You got your birds to worry about. What a month for you. What a month for Penn State football. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are as well. Absolutely. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.